brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Compulsive personality, so I just keep replaying shit. Like if I like, uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure we're gonna have a good time here. But just so you know, an hour after uh, later, when we're done, I'm gonna be regretting everything I said and, <laughs> and just going over it. Like oh, I could have, I could have said this. I should have said this. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's. I think that's the nature of comedians. Like as comedians, yeah. we're always. You know, I have an album that came out in 2012 with bits that I still do because I completely rewrote them. You know what I mean? And now it's a completely different piece of work. So, yeah. you know, it's impossible as a comedian to ever feel good about something. And you know, I I, I feel like if I ever am lucky enough to get to do an hour special. 15 minutes after it lands on you know netflix or amazon or whatever platform it goes on um you know I, i'm gonna be like fuck i hate that joke i have a much better tag for that joke now as millions of people are consuming it well also you know the, the reality too i mean there i think there's so few comedians that are able that you're able to capture with the camera as opposed to being live like they're just like like someone like uh uh, Jessica Kirsten. Do you know Jessica? Kirsten? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, she is just a murderer live. Like Absolutely. it's fucking insane. And it's like, how do you capture that? You know, how do you capture that, that feeling of the, of being in the comedy cellar with this fucking maniac on stage? And it's, uh, you know, I think, I think so for a lot of people, it's really difficult to, to grab them at their best. Well, and sometimes, too, I think one of the things I think you're going to see, and I toyed around with doing this like, on a super low budget a few years back, was doing sort of like a, a special, but it's also sort of like a documentary. And so, you know, in my mind, I was like, uh, so much of being a comedian is not just what happens on stage, but what happens off stage as well. So it's like, you know, with somebody like Jessica, you've got to see the set and then you've got to see her at the table and then you've got to see her life. And it's like to really get a full rap. I always felt that way about a tell. It's like you got to see that. That's what made Insomniac so cool is it right. was like you got to see stand up and then you got to see everything that happens after the show and everything that comics are doing before the show. And I, I don't know. I feel like. I feel like if you're looking at your hour special as a way to build your brand, now that podcasting is such a big part of it um, and who you are sort of off stage is such a big part of, <clears throat> of, of such a big part of your brand, 
Um, I think specials have to include a lot more of that stuff that isn't just your stand-up. Uh, last night, I um, did an episode with my friend Ryan Long. Uh, the oh, comedian. yeah. Ryan's hilarious. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and, and, yeah, we were talking about, like, the question I had was, you know, with, with all the annoying people uh, complaining about comedy, it's like, well, what? why are you going to come? Like, what are you trying to get out of it? And, you know, he brought up like some people, you know, they want to laugh. Other people, it's like, hey, it's something to do. It's like a date thing. And then there's another aspect of it where you have these people with really popular podcasts where it's like, I want to go and watch my friend talk for an hour like that. Like, I love this guy and I want to go watch them talk. So, yeah, I think it's gone beyond, you know, well beyond what, you know, the regular specials used to be. The difference between having like real success these days and just being another guy, you know, you, you can't just be a showcase comic anymore. Like when, and I don't know, how long have you been doing stand up? Um, I think stand up I've been doing like technically like 10 years. Okay. But, but like my main stuff um, has always been like doing videos and, and that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Good. That's good for you because I, you know, I tweeted this the other day. I think you might have, might have interacted with it or whatever, but I said, uh, I was talking about mediums and I was talking about the fact that like, um, a lot of, Oh, Oh, it was in regards to the, the Christian Finnegan thing. Christian Finnegan was like, sorry, you failed as a stand up and had to become a right wing podcaster. And I, I tweeted that and said, by the way, everyone who's done this is made 10 times more money than Christian Finnegan will ever see. Um, and it's like, you know, it's and people were like, oh, it sounds like bitterness and jealousy. And I was like, dude, every comedian does this when when a new platform or a new way of creating your brand or, or, or launching your career comes out. Everyone shits on it. Like, yeah. we all did it when Vine came out. We did it when YouTube came out. Like, I started stand up in 2007, like January 2007. So at the end of 2006, I think I did my first open mic, like the day after Christmas in 2006. And mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I remember when YouTube came out and I was like, I don't want to, uh, you know, there's a lot of the shit on here sucks. Like people are filming this with their handheld, you know, digital camera video option and uploading it. And it's like, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, you're thinking I, I want to make, you know, television level content before I put anything out. And the next thing you know, this open micer that you do shows with has 2 million followers on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And you missed the boat, like, because you were resistant to this new thing. And when I moved to L.A. in 2009, the same thing happened with Vine. You're, you saw it happen with podcasting. Now you're seeing it with TikTok. You're seeing all these other things. And it's like, you know, uh, somebody like a Christian Finnegan can shit on, you know, uh, you know who he's talking about. And, and they're not even really right wing podcasters. But, you know, guys like that who showcased for, you know, to work the improvs and they showcased for Comedy Central and they begged for years to get their half hour presents and stuff. And then a guy like Tim Dillon comes along, hits making 80 grand a month doing a podcast and can can decide whatever he wants to do as a comedian. And so, you know, yeah. there's, there's definitely bitterness there. But it's like uh, when you say most of the time w what you did in the beginning or what you've done all along is video content and stuff. I mean, it's like that is that is the future. Like I, I don't shit on people that have made a career that way. I'm just behind in the game. And I think for too long, I just let the unanswered questions remain unanswered of like, well, how do I produce this? Or how do I do this? Or you right. know, I don't know a guy who knows how to edit. I don't know how to, I don't know a sound guy. I don't know. And it's just like, yo man, learn how to do all this shit yourself. Yeah. Well, well with a dude like, like Christian Finnegan and I, you know, I haven't, um, 
you know, kept up with, with his career. But I remember, I remember seeing him most of the time doing stuff like the, I love the eighties. I love the nineties. A lot of those, yeah, you know, talking head stuff. Yeah. And that's not there anymore. And, And also, you know, even just throwing out like, Oh, someone is a failed, you know, stand up or failed this. Like, come on, man. You talk to any stand up comic, they all have their friends who they're like, I can't believe this amazing comedian isn't bigger. Oh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't believe so-and-so, I can't believe so-and-so is not known and he should be known or she should be known. You know, it's, it's like, you know, trying to make that dig and, you know, uh, and, and also, uh, and I don't know if he meant like, uh, if he was talking about Tim Dillon, but I mean, Tim Dillon is just a fucking savage, man. Like yeah. he's, he's amazing on stage. He's another one of those guys, um, to see him live is to experience something. But without he, podcasting, don't you think Tim Dillon would have been one of those guys? Because he's a he's not like, but he's not the he doesn't have the look. He doesn't have the you know he doesn't fit the category. Even as a gay comic, he doesn't really hit the mark the way the industry wants. That would have been a guy that, without the ability to take what he does and go direct to consumer on the internet. He would have been a guy that we'd all be sitting in a green room and going, how the fuck is that guy not famous? Right. And then because of these things, that guy found his audience and was able to go out and get it. And yeah, and also, you know, with with Tim and here's something I don't think a lot of people, you know, maybe recognize. But when he used to be on Facebook, uh, he used to write a lot more. I guess a lot of yeah, maybe he has a newsletter or something like that. But he was a really great writer as well. Yeah. You know, so he used to write these like, you know, much longer pieces. Some of them would be, you know, sort of the same comedic bits that he would do other stuff. I think would, would have a more serious, uh, you know, serious uh, tinge to it. And it's like, this is, you, you're, you're not just dealing with, Oh, this guy does videos or this guy's a podcast or this guy does stand up. You're, you're dealing with a, with a comedic mind. Right. And, and, you know, the reality is that there are so many different ways, uh, to express ideas like you have some ideas that oh this will work great as a as a stand-up bit then other ideas it'll work great in a you know sort of a will sasso fucking vine you know sort of thing a a, you know uh like a buster keaton-esque uh throwback you know short you know short little thing and are we recording right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, okay. yeah. oh, fantastic. I'm all this. Yeah. Okay, I'm fantastic. getting all this stuff. Yeah. I was about to say. Shit. You know the trick, Lou. You just start <laughs> recording so that without saying anything and you get the good shit. Come there, on. Man. There we go. Um, so, and, and of course, I had to, even, I had even to kill doing, my own stream. Yeah, even, even doing my own TV show, uh, my fucking director and cinematographer would do that. I would just start talking to a chef in the kitchen right. while they were setting up. And, uh, and then I would look out. It would be like ten minutes of us riffing and shooting the shit. And then I would look over the director and I go, "What are we go? What, what are, are we? Let me. Are we ready?" And he's like, "We just got it." So right. he's like, "You're done." I was like, "Oh, cool." Yeah. So well, well, I guess on the on the on the comedy mind thing, I think it's it comes down to not being afraid to um, you know cross these imaginary boundaries and to you know step out and see and see what's what. I, I have a. I started out in college doing improv improv led to sketch comedy. I was doing sketch and improv for a number of years before I was brave enough to do stand up. And, you know, anybody who does stand up, you know, that you have shows where, Hey, you know what? This is like a storytelling show, but you know what? Maybe I could like, maybe I could, I could stretch out this bit that's based on something in real life where it's a story, but I still have these elements of it. And you do a show like that and you start discovering 
other things about, um, you know, about the jokes that you're telling. So I think, I think it's all about just, just being brave enough to, you know, Oh, if you ever, if you ever have to confront a, a, a man like Christian Finnegan, you know, <laughs> be, be, be brave little one. Uh, there's yeah. a, there's a kid's book that I, I read to my son. It's be brave little one, you know, yeah. and, and that might be one of those instances. Well, you know, and that's kind of the same thing I went after, you know, Jim Gaffigan for in the summertime is, you know, he was right. like, went super hard against Trump and, and, uh, you know, he made it sound like so many of his fans and followers went back at him. And it's like, well, you've kind of ridden the rails as a conservative comedian for, you know, 10 years. And, and now that that might jeopardize this budding acting career that you're working on. Um, you know, now you're, you're, you came out and said, Oh, I don't know the most popular thing you could possibly say right now. And, mm. you know, in a time where a lot of comedians are out there risking their platform and risking their careers, um, saying things that are actually unpopular. I think when a guy like that, who's hot, first of all, fucking loaded. And second of all, saying something that's not controversial in his industry or in the public space at all, it's like right. you really water down the fight. Like people like myself who have actually lost jobs, actually got dropped by their agency, actually, um, you know, been fired from from pretty well paying gigs, uh, you know, for saying something that was unpopular yet true. Um, you know, it, it's sort of like, it's sort of like a slap in the face of like, look at everything I'm risking. It's like, you're not risking shit. Right. You basically came out and said the sky is blue and then tried to tell us that you're being controversial. It's just not, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's really important for people to uh, be honest with themselves and the public when it comes to risks that, you know, that, that are being taken. Um, and it's like, look, uh, and, and I remember um, reading, you know, some of those, uh, you know, some of that thread and it's like, look, you know, if this is how you really feel about the guy, okay. But, you know, don't pretend like you are actually, you know, that, you know, your family is going to starve if you, you know, you're, you're risking your family possibly never eating again because you put this out out there. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and then you look at you look at what's happening right now to to, you know, it has I don't know that it has it really hit comedians yet. I don't think the censorship stuff has hit comedians so much as people that are almost exclusively right wing talking heads. But when you start to look at this and and this is what I always say about sides, it's like I've, I've now been labeled sort of a right wing comedian, but it's like from a principal perspective as a comedian, I've always been a free speech guy. I've right. always been an ever, anything goes guy. Make fun of whatever you want. Use whatever language you want. I mean, I, this idea that art is not supposed to be offensive is new to me. It's like the whole reason I decided to be an artist of any kind is because it allowed me to be offensive and it allowed me to, you know. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. 
Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now try to provoke people or try to get them to uh, be uncomfortable to the point where now they're open to hearing different ideas or, or even just laughing um, in a different way than they would without it. I mean, to me, being offensive is the intellectual equivalent of alcohol. Being offensive can help take somebody's guard down so that now they're willing to be suggested something they wouldn't do before. Like, uh, I have to be offensive as a comedian to get you to hear what I'm saying the same way you have to get a chick drunk enough to let you put it in her butt. <laughs> Look, I, I always, I'm not saying you specifically. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Theoretically, for, uh, yeah, yeah. Theoretically. There's, a, there's a guy out there. Yeah. Although I, I knew a, I knew a girl who, um, yeah, she was like, no, there's no way I, I, I could ever you know do anal without uh, without, you know, having some some liquor. And, and I respect that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, well. I, well, well, it's a thing, too. You know, I, it's sort of I think being offended also, you know, gives you the opportunity to question, why is it that you are offended? What 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 offends you about this? And I've noticed it, too. I've noticed it um, since I've become a dad, like a, a, my, my son is is nine months old, going on 10 months where, you know, there are things that I, you know, jokes that I, I would make you know, 10 years ago or when I was you know, much younger, that kind of, you know, I'm a little squeamish about them now because, hey, this is where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that I would sort of go out of my way or try to stop somebody from being able to say that joke because it offends me, um, I am, it, it does feel like I'm sort of on a different planet, you know, sometimes where am I? Because that, that is not what something that I would, uh, that I would be up for. Well, it also helps us all be different, right? I mean, when sure. I was coming up, the, the thing that separated comics really was the risk that they were willing to take. And there would be guys that were way more offensive than me that were doing material I would never come across because of those were areas I never even thought to explore. And then there are people on, even on the other end of the spectrum, um, like a Brian Regan, who gets so much meat out of exploring mundane sort of things that everybody feels like have already been mined to death. And he's famously said, you know, I, I want to have... I want to mine that stuff and get the last drops of, of material out of them that other people have overlooked. And so everybody has their different um, their different methods and stuff. And the concern I have with everything is like when you overregulate it, it all becomes the same. It all becomes homogenized. And, and that's really what boring, mediocre comedians want. I mean, people with 10 minutes on Tinder and, you know, and now comedians with 15 minutes on Zoom meetings. It's like, dude. That's not everyone should be able to share what their human experience is. And, you know, if somebody has been uh, human trafficked and has been a prostitute since the time they were six in Uganda, I want to hear that story. I want to hear those bits like the reason everybody's laying down for the censorship stuff is because in their mind, they're just the only people getting censored are racist white men. And it's like, no, 
that, that slippery slope is going to go all the way down to everybody to where now you're not going to be able to hear the stories that are really compelling and interesting, which are what you're clamoring for in Hollywood. It's an easy fix. It's like I have a, it's like I do not like what that person is saying. Get rid of them. Yeah. You know, once they're gone, then I don't have to deal with it anymore. And nobody um, has to has to deal with it anymore, as opposed to, you know, actually confronting that stuff. And, and it's wild, too, because I I look up to um, people like Nadine Strassen and Nat Hentoff, who were, uh, you know, liberal, uh, liberal people who uh, and Nadine was a, used to be the president of the ACLU. And you look at like the battles that the ACLU fought on this front. And it's like, um, I don't know if I agree with Nadine on issues of like economics or maybe even maybe even cultural issues, like as far as, you know, the way that, that we live our lives. But damn, when it comes down to, you know, the protections of free speech, we're, we're right there. Yeah. And, it, and it's and it's really it's really it's wild that, you know, here we are, you know, however many years after the uh, uh neo-nazis try to march on skokie and trying to explain why uh why it's important that the same free speech protections that a you know mundane uh you know comedian has is just as important as the free speech protections of even the worst fucking people yeah Um, yeah yeah, I agree. I mean, you, you know, it's and as many many people smarter than us and earlier than us have said, it's like you know, it's the best way to defeat shitty ideas is with better ideas. But when you start to, you know, the whole reason QAnon exists is because people shun it and call it stupid and crazy, and then those people band together and form underground communities, and you know, it's like. The same thing that allows flat earth to flourish is the fact that if you just brought the most foremost person on flat earth into a serious intellectual discussion and watch them get their ass handed to them, that's the end of the movement. But they don't do that. They go, I wouldn't even a Neil deGrasse Tyson goes, I wouldn't even debate a flat earth conspiracist. And then you absolutely pour gas on that fire and they go, look, they won't even debate me. They won't. They know. They know. And he's part of the cover up. And so you create this whole underground community. Uh, you, you don't even give them an audience. And then, you know, you lend credibility to an insane movement. And the more they censor, the more these things are going to get radicalized and the more uh, extreme it's going to get. And the more these people are going to feel so righteous and so right that uh, it's going to get to a point where no one's going to be able to stop it. You know, it's interesting when it comes to the the conspiracy theories, because, you know, on on one on one hand, you know, someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson or, um, uh, you know, other scientists, they they only have so much time in their day to be able to devote. And and, and that's and that's understandable. But I feel like what what often happens is uh, I see people pointing to, to the conspiracy theorist and the dangers of conspiracy theories. And sometimes it seems like it's a really nice way to deflect attention from the really important and harmful stuff. So just for example, I, I know people who are 9-11 truthers, right? And yeah, one of my best buddies in comedy is it has one of the biggest conspiracy theory podcasts, uh, Sam Tripoli. Oh, and, okay. you know, Sam and I'll get on the phone and we'll, we'll talk about stuff and, you know, of this five topics we talk about two of them, I might be like, all right, dude, I don't know if I can go with yeah. you on that, but, but three of them, I go, holy shit. I never looked at it like that. But, but I bring that up because, um, while I, you know, am a sheep and I believe, you know, the official story of nine 11. Okay. Um, 
if you look at who's done more so damage. So what you're saying, Lou Perez, is you hate Islam. I got it. So me too, bro. No, I'm kidding. So so if if we weigh right um, the actions of conspiracy theorists, nine eleven truthers, versus our invasion of Iraq, one of those one you know one group of people had a profound effect on the future of the world and has a lot of blood on their hands, and the others are kind of kooky people um, who, you know, like to um, discuss, uh, you know, what temperature uh, shit burns, you know, right, and, and, right. and it's sort of, it's sort of, and it's sort of like, We're, are uh, we still talking about the Middle East? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's where I am on, on that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you got to let the crazies into the town hall once in a while so that, you know, the, those people don't end up burning it down from the outside, yeah. which is kind of what we saw last week. I mean, you know, I, I, and this is the thing. The one thing that really bothered me about the insurgents was just the pearl clutching. You know, this idea that we live in a country that's so fucking great for everybody that that couldn't that should and could never happen. It's like, didn't you tell us all summer that America is not working out for some people while swaths of our culture and civilization were burning down cities and looting stores and and raging in the streets? And there were a lot of talking heads because it was on their side of the political argument that were like, you know, this this America might be working for some people right now, but obviously it's not working for everybody. And this is what happens when America doesn't work for everybody, you know, and then that happens at a higher sort of government scale without any sort of organization or or real intent. At the root of this are people that feel this great sense of unrest, this feeling of like, I don't feel like the country is working for me. And, you know, I demand to be heard. And, and you know, the more we censor these people on on the fringes the more the, the fringes are going to expand and they're going to get bigger and broader and more inclusive and next thing you know we're, we're going to be at the place where we have you know a, a divisive civil war in this country i mean you know looking at you know the events of that day i'm just trying to keep it upbeat yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hope i'm i hope i'm i hope i'm on the side of the in, in the civil war with the funny comedians um, but, you know, like looking at the people, you know, who, you know, ransacked, you know, the Capitol building, it's like these people are taking selfies, um, you know, some of them, I guess maybe some of them were live streaming and and something like that, which is just so sort of emblematic of, of the times that we live in. Yeah. And, you know, seeing the words coup thrown around, it's like, you know, for Americans to have been trying to, you know, you know, enact a coup, they sure didn't have a lot of firearms. Right. And you would think, you know, in the in the most armed country in the world, that that's what, you know, that that would have happened. I mean, you know, thankfully, it wasn't like a real organized effort, you know, because I could just imagine, you know, what even half a dozen, you know, armed trained people who had been practicing, you know, what would have happened there. And, and I am, a, I'm a little, I'm a little worried for, you know, upcoming events, you know, what's going to happen on yeah. the inauguration, all that, because we don't want to see bloodshed, you know? Yeah, I, exactly. Well, and, and honestly, it shouldn't have to come to that. I mean, if anything, the, the concern I have is that our, our leaders are going to write this off as some sort of, uh, uh, you know, as, as a way to really destroy any potential further political career of Trump or anyone in that family or that circle. 
and ignore the fact that it rooted in it is the fact that the Americans are unhappy with what's happening right now. And, you know, I, I always say this when people go, you know, this is terrible and this is this is uh, sedition and this is that. It's like, look at the amount of planning that went into Columbine. If even that slight amount of planning had gone into this, you're looking at a way different scenario. I mean, mm -hmm. and like, and those kids were unhappy at high school. So imagine when half a million people who are on those fringes, who are comprised of veterans and ex-military and everything else, start to feel the same way, then you've got a real problem on your hands. And so I, I just feel like because they are ballooning this thing up to be so much bigger than I think most sensible people feel like it is. When, when the real potential shit comes, how, how do you, it's like the boy who cried wolf. It's like, you made that sound like that's a coup. So when a real coup comes and is 10 times bloodier and 10 times worse, you're not going to have another gear for the reaction. You've already expelled it. Yeah. I, I read something uh, recently, a, a buddy of mine shared it with me. I think it was, um, I don't know if it was the associate with the Mises, uh, the Mises Institute, um, but the the author of it was pointing out that you know one of the the important elements of a coup is that it involves the elite, and, and by the elite it could be either uh, politicians or military. So if you look at you know a number of coups that have happened in in Latin America, it, it's usually a military coup. You know, yeah. so there's like real trained armed people with um, most of the time with a um, you know, some kind of support behind them, um, you know, get, getting stuff there. It's yeah. Fallen it, general, somebody who, you yeah. know, it's like the rock, you know, you've got a, a four star general played by Ed Harris, who's, you know, standing up for injustices. You know, the rock doesn't get enough credit for uh, being one of the first movies with sort of a sympathetic anti-hero. You know, when you hear Ed Harris's story in that movie, that he's outraged that the, you know, families of fallen soldiers aren't being taken care of. And he's, you know, has this terrorist attack, domestic terrorism attack planned on the United States. I went back and watched that movie again. And I was like, is Ed Harris the good guy in The Rock? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I had this completely different perspective being now 37 versus when I saw that movie, I was probably in my teens or something, you know? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in a while. I wonder if uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is just overshadowed. Yeah, overshadow that. Yeah, I'm sh yeah, th yeah, exactly. I don't think anybody even knows. I'm sure if they remake The Rock, he'll be in it. With he's got Yeah, he's got to be in it. Yeah, he'll he'll play the Stanley Goodspeed character, and we'll have to. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pretend he can't kick everyone's ass. 
<laughs> um, this is the other thing that bothers me the most about the insurgents is like by everyone taking it so seriously, it's like you can't even make fun of it. And mm. there's a lot to make fun of in last Wednesday's ordeal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was funny because I, I started um, I think it was sort of that day um, I started posting a lot of um, a lot of jokes about about Trump and, and what was going on. And I had a number of people who've been following me for a while get really upset with me that I dared to make a joke about about Trump. And one guy said, oh, I see that you're sucking up to the status quo now. Oh, and yeah. It, We're, you and I are grifters because yeah. people see this as an emergent um category and they think that now we're grifting the same way a candace owens is grift is grifting like she can't possibly believe what she's saying she's grifting whites <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's one of those things where it's like well i don't know if you've been following me for the past you know four or five years um you know going with the status quo isn't really my thing but you know maybe yeah, yeah and and oh yeah and, and just the idea that may, that maybe uh you know three days of making jokes at trump's uh you know, take my career to the next level. You know, right. that's what people have been waiting for. You know, me and my less than 5,000 followers on Twitter. Well, that's what I always am surprised with is like, you know, going back to when we were talking about the Christian Finnegan thing, it's like, well, you can call these grifts, but like the, the, cons this sort of push, and I wouldn't even call it conservative. I would call it like, it's more libertarian. It's more like most of the conservatives in the comedy world are like true libertarians. They want limited regulation, and maximum freedom, right? And um, when you look at the amount of careers that have blossomed from newfound interest in that point of view versus the people who have gotten famous off of shitting on the president, you've got Sarah Cooper doing TikTok videos, making fun of the president. That's one person in the last year who got famous off of shitting on the president. And I don't know how many people have created entire communities behind thinking differently, behind... Yeah having be even being willing to explore um okay real quick quick question guys what if trump isn't racist and people that are even willing to ask those questions um have these massive fan bases i can think during the election they polled people and and it was something astounding like 90 percent of the american public don't trust what they see on mainstream media it's like wow. that's 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 profound and if you have a question about how is a guy like trump's message resonating i mean there's your answer right there people don't trust the system and they they're showing that they're willing to take a you know uh hardly articulate populist candidate in his 70s um just just to resist the mainstream narrative of what they're being told and what they're being directed to do and so you know i always tell people if you think trump is bad wait till you see what comes next uh, and this is where the censorship becomes a problem is like if somebody like a Tulsi Gabbard uh, is going to get deplatformed and you're going to fuel that conspiratorial side of the right wing that even people with moderate sensible views can't be heard, it's going to push them into the extremes. And then they're going to go, well, if you don't let Tulsi be president, then fuck you. We're going to give you Alex Jones. And it's like that angry. I think there was a lot of people when Trump got in that were like, it was a fuck you vote. It was like, oh, he's not going to make it. OK, I'm voting for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you, you can't, you know, downplay the power of fuck you. You can't downplay the power of people going about their lives every single day, just feeling looking around and saying, I can't trust any of these people. I can't trust what I'm being told. 
Um, life is kicking the shit out of me. How can I fight back? Well, one way I can fight back is at the polling station. Uh, this is an and- article that came out today from the New York Times that I absolutely loved. And I know you were like, we've got to talk about this. Yeah. Uh, turns out the gals on OnlyFans, not all doing great. Uh, this gal, Savannah, um, she is, uh, what was this say? She's a, she was a medical biller and then switched to OnlyFans. And now, uh, surprise, surprise, she's not already a millionaire. I mean, the audacity of the general public not to, um, you know, clamor for uh, her content. And by the way, uh, I like how the headline says that she's struggling. It says she's made $64,000 since July. I think she's doing okay. Oh yeah, that 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 sounds like she's doing uh, she's doing okay. I'm, I was a little upset where you have an article about how hard it is to make ends meet, and it was behind a paywall. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so it's sort of like you were you're sort of like double indemnifying these women, where it's like you know they're having a tough time on OnlyFans, but also they're going to have a tough time with people reading about how tough of a time they're having on on OnlyFans. Yeah, um, and it's so funny. You know, it says uh, it's. Uh, it's just enough to take care of her own bills, but to help family and friends with rent and car payments, uh, you know, she's she's so she's doing even more and even more. Are and her I family and sure. her family and friends on OnlyFans too? I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And you go down here, uh, and then this girl was hoping for a similar windfall. Uh, she's a restaurant worker in Billings, Montana, and she's been laid off three times. Uh, so she went to OnlyFans and she has only made $500 so far. Now, listen, I don't really, you know, I'm not about the body shaming, but when we talk about capitalism, I'm sorry, Lexi, but, uh, this is you and this is the girl making 64,000. Um, and listen, we can judge a little bit off of their pictures, but I'd be willing to bet that Lexi is probably walking around her apartment in a silk robe and going, where's my money? And I'm willing to bet Savannah's holes are all over her page. <laughs> is, is there a way to test this? I'm not on. I uh, mean, on- I don't know. There, first of all, New York Times, put these goddamn girls links in the article. I mean, I know you're saying you don't want to objectify them, but they're doing this for the press. Drop, drop me the links. And uh, is that you said that Lexi, the one that we're on right now, like that's a really sad picture to of put. Course. You know, she looks like a girl who's only made five hundred dollars a month. Well, it's what it's one of those things. You know, people talk about income inequality all the time, but you know, if you want a really good, you know, sort of example of income inequality and why it exists, go to a strip club at night and then go to that same strip club in the afternoon, and it's like there is a stark contrast between. The strippers working the day shift right. and those working uh, the night shift. And yeah, this is day shift. This is night shift. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, it, it's so wild, though, just to kind of have that that arrogance in the day in the age that we live in where, you know, pornography is just I mean, it's beyond free. I mean, it's just it's almost like like, you know, you wake up with new porn, you know, sort of stenciled onto the inside of your eyelids. And to think that, oh, I'm just going to go and start my own thing and men are just going to drop, you know, money on me, you no, know, regardless of how you know good looking you are. 
Yeah, I've, I've had friends, and we talked about this before we got on the show, but I've had friends that have joined OnlyFans, and they're not making money. And it's sort of like, I, I want to see if this is a job. I would like to be the guy who, uh, you know how we have like a community um, advisor who helps us with our community at Locals? I would like to be a community advisor for OnlyFans. I would like to be the guy who gets to call these girls and go, look, honey, here's why the dough ain't coming in. Uh, if you think that you're going to present me with some 1990s softcore Cinemax stuff and you're going to make money, you are horribly mistaken. There's a girl in Colombia right now who's fucking two horses at the same time. Step up your shit. <laughs> well, I like, I like, <laughs> I, I love that you put a little bit of like a gay tinge on it. Listen, honey. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you got it. I mean, listen, I think, I think statistically, we know that uh, women like this are seven times more likely to take advice from a sassy gay character than from a bearded straight white like myself. Are there other pictures? Are there other characters on OnlyFans that uh, that aren't doing so well? Uh, well, you're looking at him. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not on OnlyFans. Yeah, this is Ellie Morocco again. So this looks like another chick who. You know, just thinks I'll just put on some. You know, what if I put on a dress? Everyone's like, she, she put a lot into that. It's very stylized. We're so. Is this an ad for a dress company, or is am I paying for this? It's like you know, that's the thing that was funny is everyone got mad at Bella Thorne because she was like, I'm going on OnlyFans, and everyone's like, Oh, let's see that that Nickelodeon asshole, and uh, and it didn't come out, and she was just it was just like a clone of her Instagram, and she made like two million dollars, and literally ruined OnlyFans for their content creators because she did this cash grab and everyone was so pissed off they had to issue all these refunds because there was really nothing explicit about her content. They changed the way they pay their entire platform out and women used to get paid weekly and now I think they get paid twice a month or monthly. They have to wait for payments to clear and potential refunds to be issued. So... Uh, Bella, Thor Bella Thorne going for this cash grab uh, and doing a, a shitty softcore OnlyFans literally ruined, you know, um, the entire economic structure for girls like Savannah up here who are killing it. She's probably run through her entire iPhone with all of her guy friends. That, you know, it, it's it's a little uh, I'm sort of of the mind, you know, uh, especially with something like this. You know, if you're OnlyFans, you got to have your clients back. You know, you got to have your artist back and be like, look, you got you got screwed over. Guys, if you're giving money to a site like OnlyFans, this isn't the first time you've been fucked over. Oh, yes. Um, you know, when it comes to money wise, it's like and you're not going to learn from this. That's OK. Just <laughs> just move on. But what it, do you, you want know, all those? What do you want the money back for all those steak dinners too? you <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I was the game. You got swindled. There's a there's a really great um, audio book by this guy, John Ronson, called Butterfly Effect. And it's like I think like maybe a, a seven or eight part uh, series. And it's about John Ronson, like exploring the um, uh, the pornography industry in light of things like Pornhub and uh, and what if what impact that has had on, on pornography. And it's obviously like really fucked people out, uh, performers up a because they're they're not making as much as as they used to. But one of the things that came out of it is sort of this um, pornography where it's uh, where men will basically like kind of write a script and make requests 
and uh, send it to a particular porn producer. Porn producer will then uh, cast it and then they will, you know, act it out. And so it's a personalized porn, um, porn production. And, you know, for one, it, it, you know, that's obviously an example of sort of adjusting to the market. Right. And, and, uh, and well, now while, that it's, because it's so saturated, specialization exactly. is the only way to make money. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're going to have, if you're, if you're able to write a scene where the performers are saying your name and doing something that, that, that you're into, um, you know, that can definitely be more appealing than, uh, you know, just, just watching like a, you know, an everyday, uh, sort of porn thing. But, you know, it makes me wonder. That would you know, creep me out too much. If I was watching a porno and some girl looked at camera and was like, right, Josh Denny, I'd be like, oh, no, the government's in my house. <laughs> Josh <laughs> Denny. That would Josh Denny, stop on. saying the N word. Yeah. Never say the N word again. <laughs> I'm like, it's very- my porno. I'm going to have it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, then, you know, but it's also, you know, you have like, you have like what those cam By models. Way, porno is the only place where it flies anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Do you remember there were some years back, The Onion had a friggin' amazing, amazing sketch about. Um, guys who were watching porn who were very upset that a white performer said the N word during an interracial scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would, it turned off all of the the guys who were watching it. They were just so disgusted that, that, that she would, uh, that she would do that. But um, yeah, I mean, I wonder, I wonder what these the black guys and they're like, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I mean, I wonder, Look, I, I don't know what people are looking for when they go to in OnlyFans. Everybody has their own kink and, and fetish and all that. But it's like, you know, I mean, if you want to compete or make a, <laughs> you know, make it, you, I guess you got to ask, you know, how are you Did delivering? You just laugh because you started to sound like Walt Disney. Listen, honey, if you want to be a star, you better, <laughs> well, you better cut to the shit. Well, no, I think I started laughing because I started thinking this is the same talk I give to myself as a comedian. <laughs> I'm is. like, what the, what the fuck? Is. What the, you know? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Except, nope, uh, uh, I came to this realization um, a little while back where it's like, I'm 38 years old, and there was a time when I was like 18, like a really, I was like a, a, a hot piece of ass that for sure, I could, like people, like guys would have paid me to like jerk off in front of them. Sure. But, but now I would have to pay somebody to do that. Like nobody would be fucking paying me anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of dudes out there trying to get me to go. They were like, I, I announced that I was doing this and I, I say a lot. There's like five guys in my DMS who were like, Oh man, I was hoping it was going to be an only fans. It's like, well, if the locals doesn't work out, stay tuned. The only fans will be next. Well, you and got that be, bear, that bear yeah, thing going for Yeah. You. And it'll be me and Lexi going, why am I not making any money? <laughs> but dude, I want to see you with a sad picture like that. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah, I'll just if somebody wants to take this picture of Lexi and Photoshop 
my face on her face looking sad for my OnlyFans. Post that in my locals. That would be hilarious. And then, and then do one with uh, Jim Gaffigan after he lost all of his Trump supporters. Yeah, this will yeah. be Jim Gaffigan after he <laughs> lost his Trumps. I'm only making 64000 a month. I don't know what to do with all the money. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, so it's like it's the it's an economy of what you're willing to do. And I think, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um you know, people are into all kinds of stuff. People are into kinky things. And, you know, uh, one of the things, uh, since we're on the subject of what people are into, I mean, we got to talk about Army Hammer. So this story, I don't know if you've been following it. Uh, Army Hammer's ex, Courtney Vusekovic. I think I said that right. Uh, he wanted to barbecue and eat me. First of all, I want to, I know we talk about clickbait being something that's ridiculous and overused, but like, how do you not read this article? As a barbecue fan, I don't give a shit about celebrity gossip, but as a fan of barbecue, I, I got to read. I got to see what it is. Yeah, we do. We talking Texas barbecue. We talking, you know, some, you know, some other stuff. What's is happening? it a mustard based salt? When you cook a person, is it a mustard base or do you want a molasses? I mean, re, I, this is where the extent of my culinary knowledge uh, falls off a cliff. I, I don't. I know nothing about cooking people. That was never an episode of my show. Can, but you know what? Like, I got to be can, can I? Can I just? Can I just say that? Let's the, just ask ourselves: Would we eat this woman? <laughs> I don't know, man. She looks. She doesn't look uh, like she has enough meat on the yeah, bones. You know what? Right? She looks like a filet mignon. It's expensive, but there's not a lot of marbling, and there's not a lot of flavor. And it's one of the most overrated cuts of uh of beef that you can have I, I was just i was just thinking army hammer sounds like the biggest attempt to have like the most masculine name but somehow it just isn't masculine i don't know yeah well well his his original hollywood name was battle axe cockhead but uh <laughs> they thought it was a little too on the nose if you will right on the balls <laughs> um yeah he likes the idea of skin in his teeth definitely don't skim this art vegans are going to have a field day with this one they are not going to be okay is, is this just dirty talk or is I, he i, I, I feel mean like it is i mean unless there's a body somewhere right. it's like you know and this this is the weird thing and this is what this only can happen to men where a woman can kind of kink shame what a guy is into and paint him as an abuser. Like a man could never do this as a woman. I could never come out and be like, you know, uh, my girlfriend of nine years, it makes me put vegetables in my asshole. Well, I want, never... sh- I, want, I want to shame you for not marrying her after nine years. <laughs> yeah. that's what, and that's what a woman would do, too. Yeah, and then that. anybody watching this knows that through my asshole is probably the only way I'll ever get vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, a woman, a woman would never get canceled for, for king shaming, uh, or yeah, we would never, I'm sorry. A woman would never get canceled if a guy tried to king shame her. Uh, but it's, that's what this feels like. It feels like he's into some real creepy, dirty talk and now he's being painted as an abuser. And this is interesting to me to follow this story because it really does test the theory. Can hot dudes be predatory? Because, you know, everyone's like, oh, Weinstein, he's disgusting. And it's like, yeah, but Leo does a lot of the same kind of like, hey, are you 15, 17? Get on my plane. And, it's you know, anytime you bring that up to women, they're like, yeah, but it's Leonardo DiCaprio. So there's no problem. So and I'm, this I'm, is the first time I've seen them go after a hot guy. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned because, I mean, what else has he done? 
I mean, or in the relationship, what else has he done to the, you know, to his, uh, his partner? Anything? Well, what's interesting is this line right here that I want to highlight for you. Uh, come on, let me highlight the line, not the article. Vucekovic declined to name the sexual acts because she didn't want them to overshadow the toll Hammer's emotional abuse took on her. Well, isn't that fucking convenient? Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 or here's a theory. Do you not want to get sued for defamation by lying? See, this is what bothers me about these stories. And I'm not saying this woman is a lying piece of shit. Uh, I don't know. But what I am saying is it is very legally convenient because saying uh, articulating an emotional abusive toll is is your subjective opinion and you can't be sued over that. Um, but naming that someone did something illegal or immoral in a public setting that, that is not true is legally uh, risky. You could absolutely be sued for that. So it's sort of like, isn't this – when you read these articles, and I remember when the Crystalia thing happened, there were so many articles that were like this where they, they went right up to the line of being defamation and then didn't jump over it. And to me, when I see that immediate legal distinction – I throw the whole fucking story out because it's like, wait a minute. If you're not actually accusing him of any behavior, there's no legal risk for the publisher. There's no legal risk for the person who's speaking in the article. This is probably all bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't had the time to, uh, to read the article and there's no way I am, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) outside, outside of our conversation, there's no way I'm dipping into this, uh, into this thing, but you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's a, it's We're on page six hot gossip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah know, there's a reason it's, stuff. there's a reason it's page six and not page one. It's because it's 99% bullshit. I just think it's interesting that this is the first example of a handsome guy who they're trying to throw into the me too conversation. And uh, if I were a betting man, I'd say nothing about this sticks. I'd say this thing goes away very quietly in the next couple weeks. The reason this came across the newswire today is because he dropped out of a movie with Jennifer Lopez because this story came out. And, uh, and really? so he's like, I'm oh. going to step back and you know assess and blah, blah, you know, all the things that your publicists tell you to say. Also, how much do we think this girl's making on OnlyFans right now? She's probably doing pretty You're talking cool. about the, the redhead up, up, yeah. up the top of the screen. Is, yeah. is it for an OnlyFans? What is that? Uh, no, that's uh, the that 20 for? most gorgeous redheads in Hollywood. And that's... But boy, it's like, how, how, uh, they know what you're into, man. <laughs> this is the best thing for people watching this. They're like, here are gorgeous redheads and then some cookware. You fat fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you guys are curious what I'm into, it's well, all well, up if, here in my if, served ads. If you're army hammer, then you can cook the redheads in the, uh, <laughs> in the cookware in, in that walk. Uh, there right you go. Over. And and Hallmark. Apparently, I'm into Hallmark and sweatpants. There you go. That's me. Sweatpants, Hallmark, pants, redheads. You got it. Holy shit! Thank, thank God we're down. not we're not sharing my screen um, <laughs> in my in my searches. Yeah, Over. it's a real dangerous thing. Um, real quick, real quick here before we go out of here, I did want to get your take on something because I feel like you always have very good takes on political and current events stuff. What are your thoughts on uh, on? USA Today publishing this list. So what I, what I think is kind of interesting is 
um, you know, everybody's kind of calling for togetherness and unity and everything else. And, and people are saying, you know, Donald Trump, Donald Trump called for an insurrection and got it. He needs to be impeached. He needs to be removed. He needs to be prosecuted. Okay. But what concerns me is how quickly everybody is willing to accept that. And, and, and yet the left will continue to make these arguments that the right is militarized, crazy, and violent. And then USA Today goes, hey, if you were wondering which one of your party went against your president, here's a fully published list. Um, and so to me, it seems like you're literally trying to use the thing that you claim to be afraid of uh, to hurt people that you don't like. So it's sort of like just continuing to stir the pot and yeah. and uh, foster more more division, I guess. Well, I mean, if Donald Trump's saying make your voice heard, be strong and march down to the Capitol is calling for sedition, is that any different than if we were to say this is calling for the assassination of these political figures? I mean, that reach is kind of the same reach. I don't I don't know if you can get the the assassination from uh, from this stuff. Um, I mean, I, I do find it interesting in here. And, and you know, this is something um, my apologies. I haven't you know kept up on. But, you know, I've seen quite a bit about people pointing out, you know, the fact that Liz Cheney is Liz Cheney. Um, of and, course. Yeah. I mean, you're it, you're the daughter of Darth fucking Vader. And, and, uh, and it's, it's something I mean, it's it's sort of like Donald Trump has been a, a wonderful way for people to um basically launder their previous, uh, you know, terrible politics, you know, whether it's, you know, people like like the Lincoln Project, uh, whether it's, you know, like suddenly, you know, George W. Bush is a is a hell of a guy because he, you know, uh, offers uh, he offered um, uh, First Lady Michelle Obama breath mints or. Yeah, uh, whatever that know. whatever that story was. Yeah. Um, um yeah, and and it's interesting. It's it, that's the thing is like you know the the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing works a little bit, but when you get to the point where the where you're literally like, let's say Fred Phelps comes out and goes, yeah, I'm not for Donald Trump either, but I hate the faggots. I'm waiting for people to be like, uh, Fred Phelps ain't a bad guy. At least he's anti-Trump. You know, it's just I feel like uh, I, I think I tweeted this last week where I was like zombie Hitler comes out against Trump and people on the left would be like, well, zombie Hitler really can't be held accountable for the, uh, you know, the actions of real life Hitler. I mean, zombie Hitler's cerebral cortex is, you know, non-functioning and removed from his primary frontal lobe. So you really can't hold zombie Hitler accountable for the actions of real life Hitler and zombie Hitler being anti-Trump seems like a pretty good guy. I mean, they, zombie Hitler would have a fucking TV show on Netflix next week. Um, and an OnlyFans for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. The question is, would he be doing Lexi numbers or Savannah numbers? Um, you know, Josh, I just got to say that I, you know, I'm a 38 year old man. I know myself. I will always prefer two horses fucking a chick than watching a chick walking around a rope. I know I'm part of the problem, <laughs> but I admit it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I got to agree. I probably would get five minutes into the robe girl and go, mm, I want to could use a horse. Could she could use a couple of horses? Who could take two horses? I mean, I would have to, I would have to tune in just out of morbid curiosity. So, uh, you guys hear her, you heard it here first. Lou Perez, horse fuckery apologist. Uh, 
<laughs> Lou, before, thanks so much for doing the show, man. Before we uh, we end this, do you got some other stuff you want to plug? Obviously, uh, you've got Lou Perez on Locals. We'll send people over there. Uh, Lou Perez on Twitter. Go follow you on there. Anything else that uh, you want to plug? Uh, you know what? That's a, a well um, on um, on YouTube. Uh, if you find me like uh, the Lou Perez, uh, you could find me uh, on YouTube. I'm uh, starting from scratch, you know, building up a, a channel over there. So if you can come over and subscribe to me, much appreciated. Yeah, I mean, we're we're. It's kind of funny how how many career similarities we're at. We're both guys in our you know middle to late thirties who are going. I guess I'll get on that YouTube now. <laughs> yeah, man, get on that YouTube train right now. Let's get on this locals. We'll get on YouTube. You know, we're gonna make something of ourselves. You Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.